Amen. Aren't you grateful to be in God's presence in the house of God today? One more time, when we give God praise this morning, I'm grateful that we can serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You've picked a tremendous time to come to the sanctuary. Welcome today. If you are one of our first-time guests, even one of our returning guests today, we welcome you today in Jesus' name. We're so glad that you're here, so glad that you're back. We're glad to see what God is going to do in your life in the coming days. Amen. At the sanctuary, we believe that every Everybody has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. And so I'm excited to see what God is going to do in your life here this morning. Amen. As I was preparing for this sermon today, I was thinking of the illustration, and one of the things that came to mind was this idea of diamonds. Now, it's been said that a diamond is simply a chunk of coal that's done well under pressure. An interesting thing about diamonds I've discovered is that everybody wants one. I mean, am I right here, everyone? It'd be great to have some, you know, just kind of laying around. But once you get one on your finger, some don't necessarily think much about it after you've got it. I mean, here's the thing. We wear them every day, kind of like it's part of your wardrobe. I understand now that wedding rings, of course, that, of course, diamonds will have a significance to the individuals involved. But in many cases, when you get one, it's a little easy to take for granted. All right? They're rare. They're valuable. But we see them everywhere. You're walking down the mall, you, you put on something in social media, you see them all over the place. Some so much that you don't even notice that they are there. We go about our days just kind of ignoring the precious value of these gems, just like they are an ordinary thing. I really think that this concept is just a tremendous analogy for the talents that God has blessed you and I with. You see, we all want to be gifted, right? We all desire to have talent and grown within us. We all desire to be special and unique. And when God blesses us with these talents, oftentimes we accept them and just move on with our lives. These talents, our diamonds, so to speak, they are on full display to everybody around us. Yet, oftentimes we don't notice these talents anymore. But here's the thing about diamonds. Not all of us have the same kind of talent, the same kind of diamond. I mean, diamonds, they're worth pretty significant stuff, right? I mean, they are worth a lot. They're valuable. And as life goes on, as pressures mount and grow, if we will allow it, God's Spirit can refine those diamonds within us. We can allow the Spirit of God to transform us and change us into such a thing that our talents are really utilized for his glory and for his kingdom. That's my desire today, to allow everything that God has blessed me with to say, God, here it is, and I turn it humbly back over to you. Is that your desire today, to be willing to say, God, here is what you have freely given to me, and I desire to give them back to you. 
Abilities that you have may not be the same abilities that I have, but I believe that we can all use our strengths. We can all use what God has gifted us with to serve the kingdom of the Lord, serve the church, the body of Christ. The sad truth is, though, many of us, we ignore our talents and we often fail to see their full value. Last week, I shared that God desires something for us and not from us, right? God desires something for each and every one of us today and not simply something from us. He desires for us to join him on this glorious mission to seek and save the lost, the hungry, the hurting in our world. He invites us to be a part of this tremendous adventure, this journey in which we will grow to be wonderful individuals that are serving God and living out our God-ordained purpose. Part of the church is being allowing, is allowing ourselves to humbly submit to the Lord. This is so that we can actually be the church in our community. It's something who we are. We allow God's spirit to change us and become that agent of change in our world around us. God, help me today. Humbly submit to you in every way, in every fashion today, because I desire to be the church on mission. Is that your desire today? To be the church that's embarking upon a glorious mission. I believe that when we begin to partner with God and allow ourselves to humbly submit to the Lord, we are literally changing the eternal destiny of folks that we meet every single day. Believe that today, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for your heart and your future, but we've got to allow ourselves to flow in the spirit of the Lord and be willing to be led by his spirit every single day. I believe that people are going to be in heaven because of your prayers and because of your actions. God desires to seek and save all that are lost, right? He desires that none should perish, that all should come to repentance, but he allows us to be the vessels. He allows us to be the ones that are out there handing out water to people, loving on people, hugging on people. He allows us to partner with what he's trying to do in our world because he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous Light. Do you believe that today God's got a plan for you? If so, why don't we give God praise for that? Amen. Last week, we discussed the life-changing principle that's really echoed all throughout Scripture, that everything that we have is on loan from the Lord. Everything that you and I have today is on loan to us from God. You see, God, he invests time and talent and treasure into each and every one of us so that we will use them all for his glory. So we will use them all for his kingdom. The question is, what do we really do with what has been freely given? us. What do we do, right? What do, what do we do with all that God has truly given to us? And so when we talk about the principles of stewardship, stewardship means that we are, in fact, managers of all that God has entrusted us. We don't own anything, nor are we owed anything. Everything comes from God. And so we're called to as though they are gifts from the Lord, all right? They're diamonds from God, amen? I want to use my diamonds for Jesus. Anybody else in the room today? I want to use everything in my 
power to magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords through my words and my actions today. When we talk about the idea of redeeming the time, making God's priorities our priorities, we take full advantage of godly opportunities as they come our way. That's my desire. As God begins to open doors, as God begins to lead me and guide me, I just want to follow after the Lord. I want God's will to be manifest in my life every single day. What are the greatest questions we can ask ourselves? What is God trying to do in me? Well, oftentimes God is trying to grow me. God is trying to mold me. God is trying to help me in this process of growth so that I might deepen my roots today and I can be a light in the darkness everywhere that I go. And so today we're going to tackle this really important conversation about what it means to be a steward of our talents. We're going to tackle the idea of what it means to be a steward of our talents. Matthew chapter 20 begins with Jesus. He's telling this parable about laborers who were hired to work. And so this landowner, I mean, he decides to pay everybody the same wage. Think of it this way. No matter what time they actually started to work. I mean, if you were there for 20 hours or two hours, he said, I'm just going to pay everybody equally. And so those who were hired first, actually, they began to complain because they didn't think it was very fair. Now, if I'm in the same shoes as those guys that were working the 20 hours compared to the two-hour folks, I mean, I might say something as well, right? I mean, that's kind of human nature. But Jesus is going to share this with us. Look, those who were first, those who will be last are going to be first. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26, it reads this way. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So today we're going to preach on this thought. The church on mission, unleashing my talents. Amen. I want to unleash my talents for Jesus today. Amen. Anybody with me? If so, why don't we give God praise today as we get started on this important conversation. In our world, it's hard to understand this idea, this concept of the servant being the greatest. Am I right? I mean, it's kind of hard to grasp at times, especially in a society when it says, hey, being self-made, being powerful and wealthy. These are the world's keys for greatness today. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Let me turn this off. The Bible has a great deal to say about servanthood because the central theme of the Bible is the servant of all, Jesus Christ. The greatest servant of all, Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we look to Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, it shares, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom. For many, when we give the Lord 
his rightful place in our hearts and in our lives. His lordship, it will be expressed in the way in which we serve others. In other words, our love for God will be expressed in our love for others. In other words, it changes the way I interact with brothers and sisters. It changes the way I interact in my community, in my neighborhood, how I drive my car, how I work on the job site. It changes me because God has given every one of us abilities and talents and that love will be expressed by the way in which we utilize those God-given talents for his glory. So here's really the foundation of the message today. Our talents and our abilities, they really are gifts from God, right? Our talents and our abilities, they really are gifts from the Lord. They're not arbitrary, all right? They're not accidental. They are God-designed, God-given. And we must recognize that our natural abilities are what they are given from the Lord and therefore improving our skill set, making ourselves both useful in our society and in God's kingdom. God, that you will help me utilize my talents and abilities to make the world a better place, amen? Living this out on a Monday through Saturday experience. Also allowing it to transform the way I interact with brothers and sisters daily. God, change me in my family interactions. God, change me as I interact with coworkers. God, change me as I interact with just the stranger on the street today. God has a place for each and every one of us today. He wants something to be transformed in us. He desires for us to accomplish something great for his glory. We must remain in that mindset, in that position, using our abilities for the glory of the Lord and certainly as God begins to move us. You know, let's face it, oftentimes all of us in this room, you've got skill sets, you've got things God has gifted you with and the question is how do we use that for his glory, right? When God begins to move me or encourage me, you know, that still small voice, that's God oftentimes telling me, God, can I, can I help that person? Is there some small thing that I can do to help lighten the load of that person? It might not even be a skill set. Sometimes it's simply being available to help, right? So God, help me be, be moved by your spirit. Let me be moved into the direction to be that light, to be the hands and feet of Christ everywhere that I go. Because God has placed something unique and special inside all of us. He desires for us to accomplish something great. The, the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and 7, but each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner, and another in that. I look to the Old Testament. There's this fellow by the name of Daniel. Now, Daniel, he was a man of devout prayer. He was committed to the Lord even in the midst of captivity. While in Babylon, he quickly recognized, hey, God, you've gifted me for some things and in some things, so let me be able to use my talents for your glory. In fact, many people began to recognize him as a leader, a great leader. He had great talent and certainly great intellect. During the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, it was Daniel who used his God-given 
ability to interpret important dreams for people and particularly the king. Now, how about that? You know, God gives you a gift, right? And says, hey, I've got, I got, you know, the baker comes and talks to you, the butler talks to you, the king talks to you, asking, hey, can you interpret my dream? Well, of course I can. I mean, that's a gift, right? <laughs> I mean, if I was a kid, I'd say, man, that's like a superpower, all right? I mean, that's something special, right? All right, young people, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, that's pretty special. If you can start interpreting dreams, talking about dreams, and tell you, this is what it really, that's pretty impressive. Well, that's what Daniel had, all right? It was a gift from the Lord. In Daniel chapter five, gives this detailed account of this great feast hosted by King Belshazzar. Now, he was actually Nebuchadnezzar's son, it was his successor, successor. And this feast was interrupted by this crazy supernatural event. I mean, this is one of those things that you cannot make up. It happened. Suddenly, this large hand appears out of nowhere, all right? And it begins to write words on the palace wall. And everyone's like, what has just happened? I mean, what in the world is going on? The king is scared to death. People are trying to figure out what does this all mean? They're trying to, they're watching the scene unfold before their eyes. And so King Belshazzar, he immediately calls for his wise men and his magicians. Look, I need you to interpret what's going on on this wall because it doesn't make sense and it's kind of odd, okay? I don't see this happen every day, but nobody can figure it out. I mean, they're sitting there talking about it. Thinking, what do you think it means? I don't really understand it. I just, I mean, I can read his words maybe. It doesn't really make sense. Nobody could give him the answers that he'd been seeking. And so the king was wondering what's going on. So this queen walks in, the queen walks in, all right? And the queen said, well, actually, um, I'm here to really calm down the king a little bit and says, hey, I know of this individual that might be able to help. Now, Daniel, he's retired, all right? He's chill. I mean, he's done. I mean, he's, he's worked hard. He's just retired. And he's, you know, somewhere, somewhere else. He's obviously not at this celebration. When Daniel arrives on the scene, the king asks, can you help us out? Can you help us interpret what is going on behind us on this wall? Daniel proceeded to read the writings on the wall. He interpreted the meaning. Even though now the message was unfavorable to the king, you might want to go back and read that one. That's an impressive one. Belshazzar still honored Daniel with treasure and with a promotion, promoting him to the third highest rank in the kingdom. Daniel was recognized again that these talents and abilities were from God, that God had bestowed something special in Daniel's life. He did not deny the fact that God actually had blessed him with these talents. And he knew that these talents were to be used for the glory of God and to honor the Lord in everything. Here's what I get from that story. If God has blessed you and I with some talents today, or he's blessed us with some things, shouldn't we utilize everything that God has given us to further his mission and plan in our world every day? Shouldn't we use our God-given abilities to, to allow folks to experience the grace of God, the love of God, because we are living this out as servant leaders everywhere that we go? When God gifts us, he calls us to use these abilities 
for his purpose, to use them so that he might be glorified. Another truth about our talents, our motivation for serving, it's really important. Our motivation, the psychology behind it, what's motivating us, that's really important. If we saw our talents truly as gifts from the Lord, how should we make use of them? How should we handle these wonderful diamonds? Our motives can sometimes get mixed up as we consider serving in God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 30. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You see, Jesus spoke about a cross, but many today in our world and in our society and even in the church, many are interested in only a crown. Our talents and our abilities, they really are gifts from God, and so we've got to learn to check our motives in everything we're doing. Have you ever noticed how difficult it is, though, to have pure motives? I know it's, it's the real deal, because let's face it, sometimes our motives can get misaligned even when we try to keep them straight. (laughs) As best as we can, we really need to get the reason for our serving under control, the reason for our serving straightened out in our hearts. It's the Lord God that we serve every day, amen? Everything that I do is as unto the Lord. I'm grateful for the wonderful folks that serve here at part of the Dream Team. Why don't we give a hand to all the folks that volunteer at the sanctuary? Thank you for your service. All of the tremendous people that are on the cleaning team. Why don't we give the cleaning team a hand? Hey, you guys do a great job weekly. Thank you for serving. But you're not serving because of me. You're not serving because of my wife. You are serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, okay? And he's the one that's going to reward you one glorious day. Now, I wish I could give you some diamonds or some gold or some silver, whatever. I, you know, I, I, I can't even pay you enough, all right? But I know the one who's keeping great track of everything. He's, got, he's a great accountant, all right? And he knows exactly what you're doing on a daily basis. So everything that we do must be as unto the Lord and not unto a person. Amen. <laughs> Jesus said we're not called to impress others or gain favor with people. We are called to live this out as to glorify God. Jesus said whoever is great among you must be a servant. Can't be a disciple of Jesus without being a servant, without having the heart and hands of a servant. If fire isn't hot, it's not fire. If ice isn't cold, it's not ice. It's really watered-down iced tea, by the way. (laughs) If a follower of Christ isn't a servant of others, he or she is not a disciple yet of Jesus Christ. There are so many talents that God has given us that we can use for his kingdom, use for his glory to help other people in the process of growth. These include leadership and management skills, abilities, to be a creative and using that for the glory of God. You can be inventive, you can be innovative today, constructive abilities, to be able to construct and build things, financial management, the ability to give generously, the ability to clean, repair, maintain the church property, 
other ministry-related things that are in our world and in our community, loving on people, reaching people, helping people, picking up the trash, helping out your neighbor, bringing donuts and cookies to your neighbor's house. Amen, right, Sister Joyce? All right. <laughs> we, love, we love Joyce, and anytime we have some extra goodies, we try to drop them off at her house. She's one of our neighbors. Why don't we give Miss Joyce a hand today? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being kind. I'm using you as an illustration today. It doesn't matter the talents or the abilities that I have. The question is, what is motivating us to serve? God, help me in my motivation today. The reason I serve is because I'm doing this as unto the Lord, right? It's as unto God. Who am I serving? Who am I trying to impress? Am I doing this because others are watching? Would I do this if nobody else knew about it? except God. When I'm a wise steward with my talents, I will place others first. If I am a wise steward, a manager of my talents, I will place others first. Can I share with someone today that the church that serves together, we will stay together. The church that serves together, we will stay together. Why? Because selfishness always results in discord. When we only think of self rather than others, well, that's the moment community breaks down. That's the moment unity falls apart and it's replaced with division. It's replaced with backbiting. I mean, when we look to the book of Acts, the reason why the revival began is because they were all in the upper room praying in one mind. And what is it? In one accord. They were united to give God glory, to pray and seek the face of God. One of the best things that we can do as the body of Christ, as the church, is to serve together. A servant always has a loving heart and working hands. Servants have generous hearts, but they also have hands to do the dirty work. Hands that will further the vision and the mission of the church. Hands to clean the bathroom, to be available for nursery class. Step up and do whatever is needed in our world, in our community around us. Hands that actually help people in need. A servant's heart seeks to discover the needs of others, begins to meet those needs. Can I tell someone that serving is never convenient? Right? Am I right? It's never convenient. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. To hell. It's never really convenient, all right? But it's always the right thing to do. I want to choose the right today, amen? God, God, help me in this process to understand this is about me growing today. If we really want to be a disciple and really grow in God. Now, if we don't care about this, no problem. Next week, come back. I'll have a totally different message. It'll be in the same vein, <laughs> but a totally different message. But again, this idea of utilizing what God is doing in us uh, says, God, let me use my time, my talent, and my treasure to further your vision, further your mission in the world and in the church today to reach our community. We really need to be serious about the vision that we have for the church at the sanctuary, we are a place where the hurting can find hope today. Amen. And so if you are hurting today, I want to invite you to experience Jesus Christ in a very personal way today. God is the one that will help you and guide you and direct you and heal you emotionally, spiritually, physically. We serve an amazing God. Do you believe that today? Amen. This is a place where folks can find healing. 
This is a place where the lonely can find love. If you feel isolated at times, I believe there's nothing greater than the church, the body of Christ. We can unite together in one mind and one accord. We can pray for one another. We can serve one another. We can visit one another, encourage one another in the Lord because when I am weak, I know the Bible says that he is strong. Therefore, I will lean upon the Lord knowing that I find my hope in Jesus Christ. This is a place where the broken can be restored. There's so many folks in our world that are broken. Some even in the church today, in the building today. You may be broken. You may be feeling hurt today. I want you to know we serve a God that will heal us today. He can pick up the broken pieces and we can find restoration and healing in the house of God today. Why? Because that's the kind of amazing God we serve. He spoke the worlds into existence. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He loved you. He has formed and fashioned you in his image. He's got a plan for you. He loves you. He, Jesus Christ died on Calvary so that we might have a hope that that's not found in this world but found in him. Oh, I'm grateful for the mercy of God. The gratefulness in my heart overfills me at times when I think about God, you chose me. You love me and you've got a work for me to accomplish. Oh, would we just take a moment and elevate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The sanctuary is a place where the whole gospel is shared. The thousands of residents here in Central Texas starting right here on Whitestone Boulevard. Five words in the New Testament describe ministry, and it often is generally translated service. If I want to be in the ministry, it means I'm in the business of serving, okay? I'm in the business of serving today. It doesn't matter about a, a license or a non-license to, to be a licensed minister, whatever that means. I understand we need that and I get it. I'm one of those, praise God. But look, I have a license to serve today, okay? You have a license to serve. God has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. He's calling us to be a light in these dark times. All of us are called to the ministry, and therefore we're all called to be servants of God. Amen? We are all called to be servants for the Lord. The Christian life, it really is all about serving. If we want to be great in God's kingdom, we must be servant of all, and it means that we live life differently. It really means that we are called to live life differently. Have you ever noticed a conversation with Jesus usually does not turn out the way those in the audience would have expected it to turn out? I mean, it never is that way, right? Because God's ways are different than our ways, right? God's thoughts are different than our thoughts. A few contrasts that we find in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 16, to gain your life, the Bible says we've got we've to lose it. To gain our life, we must lose it. To experience eternal life, we must have the faith of a child. To receive that gift from God, you must first give. To receive, you must give in Matthew chapter 19. And then, of course, Matthew chapter 20, what we've been talking about today. To be great, you must be a servant. Jesus doesn't just shake up our self 
self-centered motivations. He expects it to be difficult, all right? He expects it to go against our human nature. In fact, he's calling us, he's challenging us to place him at the center of our lives. And he offers himself as the perfect role model. Matthew chapter 20 and 28 again, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. This particular verse has been regarded as one of the most precious of Jesus Christ's teachings because he is both our example and our motivation. If our king is not above serving others, then how can we, his children, his servants, refuse to serve? He served the needs of others and then demonstrated the ultimate act of servanthood when he gave his life as payment, as ransom for our sin so that we might be set free. The true standard of greatness is really our Savior's pattern of self-sacrifice. As I bring this to a close, you might be able to understand this thought, but there's, um, there's this fella that I want to speak about here. Um, if it weren't for this clever guy named somebody else, we might actually follow the example of Jesus Christ. This guy named somebody else. There's nothing that this guy can't do. He's busy from morning, night, and noon. <laughs> All right, he is just substituting for you. You asked to do this, you're asked to do that. And what is your reply? Hey, get somebody else to do that job because he's gonna do it much better than I. So much to do in this weary old world, so much in workers, so few. And somebody else, all weary and worn, is still substituting for you. How many times we passed up the opportunity to serve because it wasn't convenient. We didn't think we were capable. Or maybe for some of us, we felt too capable. (laughs) That's a little, you know, beneath me, all right? John chapter 13 and verse 4, we see that Jesus and his disciples are sharing a Passover meal together. Jesus, he gets up from the meal. He wraps a towel around his waist. Then he pours uh, in a basin some water. He grabs his towel, right? And he's about to begin to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with this towel that's all wrapped around him. Now, Peter... He doesn't like it because, hey, Jesus, you're supposed to be the guest of honor. You know, why are you doing this? You're our rabbi. Have you ever wondered why Peter was so upset with Jesus washing their smelly feet? The reason is because he understood and knew that it was not Jesus' responsibility. Washing the feet was actually the job of the lowest of all slaves. It was unheard of that this rabbi, this great teacher, this Messiah, if anything, we ought to be washing his feet. Roads in Jerusalem were covered with this thick layer of dust. When it rained, 
it would turn to liquid slush. I mean, it was gross, okay? They did not have paved roads, all right? It, it was totally different back then. It was the custom of the host to provide a servant at the door of his home to wash the feet of dinner guests as they arrived. And so the servant would kneel with a bucket and some water with their towel and scrub the mud off the feet of folks that would come. And now here's the deal. If a home could not afford a slave, well, then one of the earlier guests were tasked to actually do this job, okay? They were the ones that as soon as it happened, you know, someone shows up, oh, you don't got one of those servants? Okay, well, then I guess it's my job. I'm one of the early guests. But I find it interesting in this passage, no one volunteered. Not one disciple volunteered for the job that everybody knew was customary during this time period. Chuck Swindoll writes this. The room was filled with proud hearts and dirty feet. The disciples were willing to fight for a throne, but not a towel. They were willing to fight for a throne, but not a towel. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. He didn't demand a throne, right? But rather a basin to wash the feet of his followers. And if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're really going to be like Jesus, this is who our leader is. We must do likewise. Like the disciples, we're often filled with a worldly spirit of criticism, competition. We try to maneuver, we try to position ourselves in the best lights, maneuvering for our own gain, sharing words or slide remarks, sometimes to get an edge on somebody else. I believe all of us need a desperate lesson on humility, what it means to be like Jesus. Obedience, it means personal involvement. We can't serve from a distance. We've got to get close enough to get our hands dirty. If we're going to serve like Christ served, we must learn to see others the way that he sees them, to love as he loved people. Because if we want to be servants, we just can't wait for something to happen. Let's stand. Pastor, this is a tough message, man. Couldn't you preach about some victory and some joy? Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Resurrection Sunday's on the way. Amen. Praise God for that, right? It's coming. Hope you'll be here for Easter, by the way. It's going to be a great time. In our lives, why is this so hard? Because it often goes against the grain of human tendencies, right? We understand the glory <laughs> that sometimes we want to elevate self. But God's the one keeping records today. And God has placed unique diamonds, talents within us. Sometimes they're buried beneath the surface, but sometimes they're literally right there on top of the ground of life. And so God is calling us to grow. God is calling us to serve. I believe everyone in this room, you have talents, you have abilities, and we're called to be wise managers, stewards of all that God has entrusted us today. I believe God is calling us to step out of self 
and into community. God is calling us to step out of self pity and self-doubt and discouragement today, and he's calling us so that we might grow today. Part of that growth process is understanding that it's always been all about him. It's about his kingdom. It's about his mission. It's about his purpose. It's about his plan for our life. In the course of really being the church, embarking upon what it really means to be the church on mission. It was never meant to be a casual experience. It was never meant to be just a place where we just come together, worship together, celebrate, and just go home and just live the way that we lived, you know, before we got here. No, this is a place where we are called to transform to be transformed in his image. This is a place where we can humbly empty ourselves out today and say, God, here is my life. Here is my everything. I lay it on the altar, not just head knowledge, but heart as well. Everything that I have is yours, God. Therefore, transform me, mold me, make me in your image today. God is calling us as believers to seek first the kingdom, to be as Daniel Instant, in season, and out of season. When God prevents something in our lives, that's all right. Because sometimes he might be halting something so that we're not going in a direction that will be harm to us. But when God begins to open doors of opportunity, that moment when God says, hey, I've got, a, I've got, one, more, I've got one more person that you've got to reach. I've got one more thing that needs to be accomplished, all right? Would you just go and begin to tell that king, Belshazzar, hey, judgment's coming. Hey, it's time to get right with God. Hey, you have, you have done some terrible things in my sight, and today your kingdom's going to be turned over to the enemy. Look, sometimes we've got a hard message to sell, but can I tell you something? We also have God's grace. We also have the love of God. We also can say that, hey, I stand upon the truth of God's word to say that God loves you. God cares about you. God has a plan for your life. You don't have to go that direction any longer. We're called to serve the king. Serve his purpose. Serve his plan. Jesus said we're blessed when we use our talents that have been entrusted to us from the Lord. Here are some action steps. Serve whenever, wherever, whoever you can. At the sanctuary, we'd love for you to be part of our dream team, our volunteer team at the church. Amen. I know that God has got a plan for your life. God is going to allow us to discover his purpose in him. It's found in Jesus Christ. If you've been seeking out other things to try to fill that void in your life, can I tell you, have you tasted Jesus? Because <laughs> if you taste Jesus, you'll see he is good and that his mercy endures forever, okay? When you begin to really experience Jesus Christ, it changes everything because all of a sudden there's a joy about it. There's a, there's a strength in there. Oh, can I tell you something? I'm going to brag on someone too. You know what? Um, our media team, you work hours and hours and hours every single week. Praise God for our media team, our music team. My goodness, hours and hours every week. You don't see her, but she's up in the booth right now. Her name is Joy. Sorry, I'm just taking my liberty. I apologize. <laughs> you know what she said? We said, um, Joy, we're so sorry. I know you've been here hours and hours building all this stuff, this PowerPoint multimedia. You're here man, so many days of the week. We appreciate, uh, we appreciate it. You know what? This is my church. I love serving Jesus. 
I love being a part of this team. It gives me purpose. God fills me with hope. He fills me with strength. And yes, I know that there are times I'm taking away from personal things that I can do. But there's nothing like serving Jesus. Because during this pandemic, it's been this family. She's talking about the media team, the music team, all y'all. He, he, it's been this family that's kept me going. I've found God's grace and God's strength. And I've seen God's love demonstrated. I, I love serving at the sanctuary. Can we give Joy a hand? No one sees her. She's up there. Joy. Can I tell someone when we begin to utilize our abilities and talents, there's no way that I can ever repay you. There's not enough accolades I can give you, but I know the one who can. His name is Jesus Christ. He's recording everything in a book, and one day that glorious book's going to be opened up. And every action that we have done, everything that we have done will be rewarded, will be mentioned. Everything, all right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. But particularly in this case, the good. So therefore, Use your abilities for Jesus. Use your talents for the Lord. Begin to serve. Begin to go outside of yourself and see what God will do through you. I believe that one day our time on this earth is going to come to an end. And therefore, we will give an account for everything that we have done. How we've invested our gifts and abilities, including our talents, into others. At the end of my life. I want to say, like the Apostle Paul did, that I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. God, help me fight the good fight. Help me understand what's at stake. That there are people literally on the path of destruction, the path of uncertainty, and God is calling me to use everything that I have to reach them with his love today. I'd like to pray. And in a moment, I'm going to open these altars up. You're welcome to come to the front to pray if you'd like. But in our own way, I believe we need to seek God and search our hearts. God, what are you calling me to? How are you calling me to grow? How can I use what you have given me? How can I place that into the hands of the master? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for all that you have done, all that you're doing in us. God, I know you've got a plan for us. You've got a plan, Lord Jesus, to see the church mobilized by mission, Lord, mobilized for your glory, mobilized, Lord, to reach our world with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, God, allow me to be available. God, allow me to be a servant leader. Help me understand my place in this world is by your side. That my place in the world is not doing my own thing, but it's serving you, God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Allow me, God, to understand you need to be the center of it all today. I surrender my talents my abilities, my all to you, God. Let your will be done today. I open my heart and my mind. I remove barriers today. I remove the shackles of pain. I remove the shackles of my past today.
today. God, forgive me, Lord. I repent now, God, of anything that's held me back from serving you. I repent, Lord, from every obstacle that's been in my way, God. Forgive me, Lord, today. Transform me, God. I just want to be a humble servant. God, I want to serve you. I want to use everything I've got for your glory and for your kingdom. Do whatever it takes to get a hold of me today, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Speak life in this place. Speak hope in this place, God. Speak peace in this place, God, I pray. Healing in this place, God, I pray. Lord, deliverance in this place. God, some of us are bound by some things. I pray deliverance in this place right now. Lord, do what only you can do in our hearts and lives. We need you, God. We need you, Lord. Let us allow you to be the Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I'd like to open up the altar. It's the front part of this auditorium. You're welcome to come to the front and pray if you'd like. But in our hearts and minds, I think all of us ought to seek God. What is God calling me to do? What is God calling you to do? How can I open my mind, open my heart, allow God to speak life into? What are the barriers that are holding me back? Today is your day. Today is your day for transformation. Today is your day to remove barriers that have held you back from committing to Jesus Christ. He is the one. He is the author and the finisher of our faith today, right? Therefore, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Can we take this moment right now, begin to pray, begin to seek Jesus and say, God, here is my all. I want you to be the center of my life. I want you to be the one that guides my steps. I will release myself and use my talents for your glory. Can we all pray? Jesus is here. The presence of God is here. Let's all pray. The presence of God is in the house today. Jesus is here. Let's all pray.